Hello, everyone. Welcome to the two-week job podcast where I work with different companies all over the world and get you the tips and stories. We are in Anton's apartment in Stockholm, currently 5.20 a.m. We're doing a five-day wake-up-at-5-a.m. challenge, and we're at day two, and it's pretty fun. Um, Let me tell you about Anton. He is a Swedish businessman who's currently working a corporate job at a tech company. Outside of work, he is on the verge of launching MadeByLoft.se, L-O-F-T, MadeByLoft.se, which is a company in the furniture space based on data-driven designs and sales. Welcome to the show, Anton. Thank you so much. Um, Let's get straight into it. Can you... Tell me and the audience, how did you begin down this journey? Um, how did you get into all of this? I, um, I'd like to just start by saying it's been a pleasure having you here in Sweden. This two-week journey has sort of come to an end, and you're leaving for Paris tomorrow. Uh, and I've had a great time having you, and I think this podcast sums everything up perfectly. Agreed. Um, so how did I get into all of this? Can you define first this? This meaning um, you're, you have always kind of had something on the side. Um, I don't think from us, I haven't known you too long, but it's, it always seems that you have something that going that isn't your primary job. Where did that drive come from? What kind of sets you differently than other people? Was it a person that you met? Was it a school that you went to? Where does that come from? Did you know you were always going to be like this? It sort of sounds kind of cheesy to say, but I've always been like this in the sense that I've always had something on the side that I've been working on as far as I can remember. So the story began sort of after I graduated high school and uh, I went to China and a friend of mine came over to my place in my small hometown in the middle of Sweden and said, Hey Anton, we're going to go to China to study Chinese. Do you want to come? And my response was sort of, why not? Mm. But sort of, sort of China kickstarted my journey and it was there I started getting into different types of nonfiction books. Self-development, into entrepreneurship, into philosophy, into health, into this whole variety of media that, mm-hmm. that you and I, consumer, which we're connecting over here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a few questions. You can tell me to skip some if you don't feel like answering it, but let's keep it pretty casual. Just, uh, I've been living with Anton for the last few weeks, and I've been helping him with uh, Made by Loft, anywhere from marketing to development to meeting with logistics, uh, just being, pretty much being there and witnessing um, how Anton works and helping him out wherever I can. So from what I've witnessed watching you is you're pretty damn executed. Yeah. Um, Like you, you wake up, you go to work, you come back and you're just on it. Let me ask you, because I've witnessed you do this multiple times, what's what's an all-star day in your life today? Like you woke up, you had your coffee, you had your shower, you did some errands, you went to work. Give me give me give me the the average all-star day that 
feels like a win for you? I like this question. If you do, if for me to define my like ultimate day in terms of productivity and work, I think you have to understand like a concept that I live by and that I that I use mentally for, for being productive like this. And it's a time can be divided into two parts. It can be divided into consumption and it can be divided into production. And consumption could be you're having a really great conversation with a friend or enjoying a very nice meal or you're on holiday or you are spending time with family, things that are important, things that really matter. And then you have time when you are in flow, when you're producing, when you're working, when you're moving closer towards your goals. And then you have this third thing, which I call gray, the gray zone, Ooh. which is neither productive and neither, neither leisure. Okay. And it could be, in my, in my world, scrolling through Instagram. Okay. I'm not yeah. going to finish my life thinking, wow, I'm so glad I spent so much time on Instagram okay. or watching TV. So a very productive day for me would be the majority of my time is spent in flow producing things, moving closer towards my goal, because that's when I feel the most accomplished and I know this is something that will take me further. And then, of course, it needs to have some element of, of this leisure time, um, a good conversation with a friend, an enjoyable lunch, calling my parents to see how they're doing. But a pretty productive day would include some type of workout, uh, work, a bit of family time, and then when you're done with your tasks, sleep uh workout before going to work after ideally if we're talking about the perfect day yes, i do it in the morning okay what is that can you break that down what would that look like i recently started getting into um mma yes um i found out firsthand <laughs> when, when i landed uh in stockholm uh the very next day anton took me to an mma class and he whooped my butt to say the least, but... Uh, you did very well. Thank you. I think it was brave of you to, to come, and it was, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, I started doing doing that type of workout, because I've been going to the gym for, I think, maybe even 10 years. Okay. I got bored of it. Yes. And I was looking for new ways of, of moving, new way of working out, new way of using your body, and started looking at CrossFit, but couldn't really get my head around it. It wasn't really my thing. Tried running for a bit, really enjoy that, but I don't feel like you get the intensity, the explosiveness out of running. And a very close friend of mine is competing in, in MMA, and he sort of dragged me down to the gym, and he whooped my butt. Okay. And basically beat the crap out of me. And then I was like, hey, this is a lot of fun. And one thing I really like about MMA, it's like, I think you can compare it to dancing. Because as a dancer, you learn different type of moves. Oh, yeah. You learn different type of patterns. Right that are more gracious and more beautiful than, than martial arts. But it's the same thing. You learn patterns, you learn movements. And for me, it's exploring your body and exploring capabilities of your body that you didn't know you had, or I didn't know I had. And then on top of that, it's a great workout. I like it. So uh, part of this All-Star Day, you're going to have this type of workout. Uh, ideally, in the morning, you go to work, you execute on the things that you you need to do for the day mm -hmm. and then you come home and what what would keep that momentum and flow going so what what's what's still mm -hmm. a part of that all-star day you come home you cook 
the, the key here for me to, to be able to keep working when I come home is to not stop. Okay. And what I mean by that is if I come home and I sit down and I open up YouTube, Instagram, TV, right. something, I have a very hard time coming back ah. into the energy of working. Okay. So for me, it's just come back home, eat something real quick or have something prepared and then just keep working for the amount of hours that I decided on in the morning. I like that because um, I noticed that within you, when you come home, you're, you're a freaking firecracker. You're ready to, <laughs> you're ready to either go out or uh, get, get, keep going. And there's, it seems like you really have no idle time and it's pretty impressive. I'll, uh, I, I didn't have this. I, I remember when I was working a corporate standard nine to five engineering job, I'd come home drained and miserable. And I would take it out on my roommate or friends or whatever. But something I, I really liked in seeing when you you come back and you're just excited and happy. And I think But this project is, is too exciting to, to not be excited about. Okay. But I think also it's a practiced skill that I used to I used to be in banking for, for some years. And I came home and I felt exactly like you. Super drained, super tired. I just wanted to sleep, just wanted to like not talk about work. And I also had a side project uh, at that time, but it was very difficult. And most of my time was spent like, ah, oh, what if I wasn't this tired? What if I had the energy to work on this, the impact I could make? Mm -hmm. And just like your, your mind is like willpower. Right. Uh, in something that, it's like a muscle that can be trained. What if you, when you come home from work and you feel this type of tiredness and you feel drained, what if you just do 10 minutes of work? On your own project. Okay. Maybe the next day you can do twelve minutes. All right. Maybe the day after you can do fourteen, and then after some time you can do three hours. I like that. I, um, you can't improve something if you don't measure it. Do you actually measure that, or did you ever measure that before? No. No. Um, I do like. Maybe that. I should. I mean, I don't. It's there's a lot of cool tools um, that track all your activity on your computer that I've found that I, I could see how much I'm distracted during the day. But um, that's cool. I like that. You also said something earlier about the three things, um, the three different time categories. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of want to just add to something you said, because I really like the consumption holiday category, because burnout is real. And you you seem to have a really good kind of balance between work life and social life and I think that's super important because going all in on work and then a, a small business or a startup you can get burned out and it's going to bleed into all your other factors in your life but something that helped me I, I had that problem before um, when I was doing my own thing some a way to look at this that I really like was um Going on a vacation is a recharge. Oh. It's uh, it, Think of it more as a, I need to give my brain some space because I'll be that much more effective when I come back as opposed to just kind of grinding it out and having mediocre results. At least that's how I, how I work and see it. I think to, to add to that, uh, not necessarily to the holiday, but to be, to be able to have a work-life balance, one thing that's really helped me is... I've learned through 
would say stoicism has helped a lot here. Okay. And one of the concepts that I like about that is to focus on what you can control and ignore what you can't. But that has created a sort of very binary way of thinking for me. It's either on or off. You can control it or you can't. Uh, but that's also helped me to switch off work. I'm either on work or I'm off work. I'm either resting or I'm not. Okay. So when I come home and I finish work, I finish work. That helps me keep my batteries recharged. I like that. Um, we're right behind me is a, a bunch of books Anton has. Uh, I see definitely a few Stoicism books. If you were to suggest one book um, to the audience on this way of thinking, or a few, you can name a few, uh, what what would you say is a good start? And can you actually explain Stoicism um, for some of the people who don't know? I think one of the books on philosophy that got me into it is called Philosophy for Life, okay. written by Jules Evans. Uh, and it's basically 12 chapters where they go through 12 different ways of philosophy, from Stoicism to... Um, Epicurus to Aristotle to Plato, different kind of old Greek philosophies, and they just explain them in a very clear way. And that got me curious oh, about Stoicism, and then also, of course, reading about it on, on different blogs and online and talking about it with friends got me even more curious. To explain what it is, I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely a philosophy that's more practical than it is theoretical. So it, it's like you said, an operating system for your brain. And it focuses on a couple of things. First of all is to see things for what they really are. And focusing on what is in your control and what is not. So by focusing your way of looking at things and the way of thinking about things, you're also focusing on how you feel about things. So for example, you can't control that it's raining outside. Or you can't control that there's a traffic jam. So why spend energy being angry on it? Mm -hmm. It's also focusing a lot on worst-case scenario thinking, which has helped me um, in, in the past and helps me quite a lot. So think about what is the worst thing that could happen. For example, I used to have a very cushy bank job that I quit uh, about a year ago to, to move to the US and to uh, run an e-commerce business. And at, at the brink of deciding, I was like, what is the worst thing that could happen if I quit my job? And I thought that the worst thing that could happen is that my company doesn't work out. Then what? What's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, I can't pay my rent. What's the worst thing that will happen then? Well, I have to live at a friend's place and, and sublet my apartment. Then what is the worst thing that can happen? And that was sort of it. So the worst that could happen, realistically, is that I would be spending time at a friend's place or even at my parents' place. Mm -hmm while trying to, to figure out how to, to make more money with a startup. And on the upside, I had complete freedom of my work, uh, the financial upside, and then the ability to create products and the lifestyle and really the, the life that I, that I want to live. So it was a risk worth taking. And I think this concept can apply to many other things in life as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And just to add to the book list, um, uh, author that you really turned me on to was Ryan Holiday. Um, mm, of course. And the two the two books, uh, The Obstacles of the Way, which is uh, really just a collection of stories of when the worst case does happen and how uh, these people turned it into um, a beneficial situation to, 
for themselves. And ego is the enemy, which I thought was, I like that one a little better. Ideally, I think everyone should read that kind of book in my, in my head. And I think it's something personally I should read every year. Yeah. It, Cause it's, I think not having an ego and it's not ego in the Freudian sense. It's a uh, ego that prevents you from learning and progressing. Um, oh, I can't eat here. This, they don't serve what I have, or I'm not going to do that job. I'm above that. But that, that's the kind of ego that's spoken of in this book. And I feel keeping it, um, I don't want to say check, keep it in check or at bay, but more of uh, being aware of how it can limit your life and affect your relationships. That book was very powerful. The audiobook of it is pretty good. Um, I guess to wrap up Stoicism, there's um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I never finished it, but I can definitely appreciate it. Um, you, it's a, you know, the journal of uh, one of the three Roman, great Roman emperors that wasn't intended to be a book, and it's his daily um, things that he would notice and how he would try to live his life in a stoic way. And I thought, um, thought it was really powerful. Um, okay, I like that. Let's go to another question. Um, what's something that's really obvious to you that's not very obvious to most people? What's something that you have um, a lens on that seems 80% of the other people don't. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit before our, um, for me, it's, uh, and this is something that's just kind of dawned on me recently. It's just, um, anywhere over the world, I've been traveling for the last few months and it's just, we're all human beings. We all like to laugh. Um, and I think we get caught up in our story for so long that we kind of forget that the janitor also has a family and feelings. And for me, I got, I got that refresher um, that I didn't have, whereas opposed to I had this lens before that it's only my story that counts as opposed to bringing multiple people into my story and being in theirs. Um, what's something for you that you see differently than most people? I just want to add to what you've been saying because having you here and seeing how you really pull people in and you're so open and you're you have this attraction of bringing people together from from like talking to people on the bus which is some a big no-no here in Sweden <laughs> and and speaking to strangers in the streets and making them laugh and making making them smile it really proves your point that people everyone wants to smile everyone wants to have a good time so one thing that I think of like this is that it's easier than you think and there's no one stopping you uh, of doing what you want. I like that. So to, to, to give some, some background, like you can't quit your job because you don't have another job or a company. Why not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All you do to quit your job is write a resignation letter um, and, and quit. Oh, you can't eat cereal with wine. Why not? Just eat cereal with wine. And I think you should think like a child in this way. And you should think yeah. like of things in the most pure way. Like, why not? There's nothing... It's not like there's a big force stopping me from, you know, eating cereal with wine. It's not going to taste good, but I, you could I can. Yeah. 
And this is something that I hold very, very close to me as a belief that you really can. Okay. And I think a couple of weeks back or some months back, Casey Neistat did a video that says, do what you can't. And I think this video really nicely reflects on this. So watch it if you can. Okay. But just to add to that, I really like a lot of what you said. I think also the why not uh, circuit in your brain is, is also a muscle. It's a skill. Probably. To, to view things and, and question why not. Um, here's uh, something I've been witnessing within myself and personally developing as a person is, I, you know, I left my job. Uh, I, I was afraid. I was very afraid. I, I definitely took my time in making that decision. But I, I just questioned, um, I haven't grown. And there's there's some sort of reason why. And it's because it it is hard a bit to break out of the norm and do the things that you're you're not seeing in your peers. It's scary. It's very scary, and um, you're you know you're kind of looked at as well. Like what is this person doing? But let me tell you something. And I, I like you said something earlier about you have to be a kid about it. Like when when I've been with you here, I've been just saying yes to everything because what do I know? Just because I've been born and raised and grew up in the U.S. doesn't mean it's the greatest experience. I'm gonna learn something from you. Why not? Why not eat uh, reindeer heart? <laughs> um, why not go ice skating or jump into an ice bath? Whatever. It's it's break break out of your routine, and it is hard. And that's why you kind of need to do it, in my opinion, because you're if you're not satisfied with what you do every day, it's because you're taking the easiest path and the path to least resistance, and you're not growing the way that you don't want to. I don't want to get cheesy. I just want to end on this quote, but it's uh, be the make the decisions of the person you want to be, not of the person you are today. Um, and I've kind of tried to live that recently. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's not as hard as it is. No one's holding me back. What's holding you back in, in practice or in, in reality is all these beliefs uh, by other people. Like, if I do this, will people like me? If I do this, will, be, will I be accepted? And I think it's it's healthy to have some type of control questions when you when you make something. Like, should I run naked across the streets? Probably not. Uh, why? For it's illegal, first of all. But I think the control questions should, you should have should be like on the very basic level. Like, will this kill me? Is this illegal? <laughs> uh, yes. But but if it's not gonna kill you, if it's not like very illegal. Fuck it, try it. Yeah, see not? what happens. Yeah, worst case, you're gonna learn something. Yeah, that that's when when that can be your end question, end anchor to any experience. You've already won, in my opinion. Um, that's that's how I I've, I've been kind of viewing life. You can't lose in anything if you're gonna learn something at the end, and you're not gonna learn. It's hard to learn when you're stuck in the same routine box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I can, I love this topic. Um, okay. You know, I want to talk about another thing that I've been noticing working with you and being around you is you have something I've never noticed in anyone else or not as good is excellent uh, timing. And I know we're talking things as skills and I would say you have great timing skills. And let me give you guys a little background. We'll be 
we'll be working on something or we'll be going somewhere and I feel the trick behind it and correct me if I'm wrong is ending an experience as opposed to going to every room in the museum just go to 80% and just end on the high note and don't and just keep keep this keep the story and momentum going that's something I noticed in you that I have not noticed in many other people that I really like can you talk about it a little? Like, is this something you've always kind of had, or am I making this more aware for you? you is it just normal to you? So you pointed it out to me and said you have good timing, and I haven't been aware of it. But I guess you're right that in the sense that when you're doing something, I think you should always find a way to go from classical music to diplo. Okay. And, you know, progress slowly and always be go up, 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 and then you end on the high note. Mm -hmm. And that can be, as you said, going to a museum and ending in the best room. Or, but I think the key to timing is to end everything earlier than you think, is to move 10 minutes before you think you should move. Or, I don't know how to explain no, it. No, no, that, 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 is, that is, I think, the, the secret sauce. But because if you move too late, you will have reached the peak. Right. And you'll be on the down. Right. And by ending sooner than you think, you might miss the very, very last uh, increase of tempo, of excitement, of something. But you'll still have this upwards momentum, which means that you can keep going. Mm -hmm. Because once you peaked at the, the top and are on the, on the decline, it's very hard to change the momentum up again. I completely agree. And I think that's what he said earlier, ending a little bit before you think it should end. I would like, I would really like to try challenge the people listening to that because I've already kind of seen the benefits of that in my own life from seeing you do it. So yeah, that's a powerful one. Okay, let's see. I, I'm curious about this because I feel like you have so many. Uh, what is your best time-saving shortcut or like whether that's ordering something in advance and picking it up or... No, in terms of time-saving, is uh, prioritize and um, focus on what you really need to do. If you have 10 tasks at home, most likely not all of them are going to be important. Okay. Uh, and I think Tim talks about this in, in Tools of Titans. That, Tim Ferriss, everyone. Um, that if you write out everything you have to do in a day, find the one task that will make the other nine redundant. Besides your phone or your computer, what gadget or tool could could you not live without and why? Pen and paper. Okay. Uh, I think on paper. Whenever I need to think about something, I take my notebook out or grab a piece of paper from the printer or something and I draw. Mind maps, I write words, I make lines and I, I, I write by hand, old school. Okay. Um, and for me, it really helps to see what I'm thinking about visually. And that's something I couldn't live without. The other one would probably be uh, headphones or speakers, but since I don't have a phone or a computer, yeah, yeah. And to add to the pen and paper um, comment, whenever we were brainstorming things for Loft and we kind of got stuck on something or any brainstorming anything really, we'd always come to this point of let's just write it out and see where our brains are trying to take us, and it eventually went from writing some pretty stupid things to eventually getting to a great idea and uh, something that we we 
we did, which I thought was very powerful, was, and this is from a podcast author, web blogger named James Altucher, is um, if you can't write 10 good ideas, just write tw 20 ideas, whether they're bad, decent, or good. And the, the point is, is just outputting ideas and working out the circuit of your brain. And I personally, you could take this to anything in your life. Like, how can I uh, 10x my health? How can I, uh, let me write 20 things that I could do today or in the next few months that would change my health or how can I make more money? Let me just write things. Like, it, you will be, you're going to start pretty bad. And I think, and that's, I, that was such a big secret um, to me. Uh, when, I, when I hear people and their ideas, I'm like, man, your idea muscle sucks. I hear you hear terrible ideas all the time, but the secret or the truth is we all have terrible ideas. The real um, difference between people who are look like they're executing versus the ones that aren't are getting those bad ideas out of the way, and eventually the good shit sticks. And I think what I like what with that thing is um, creativity is not like a eureka moment in the shower. But creativity is a hard process where you sit down and you think about a problem. And it's after, you know, it's after the first 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes of thinking that your mind will hit this flow state and that actual ideas will start coming out. So graphic designers, for example, or someone in the creative space, if you ask them how do you work, it's going to be this long time sitting, thinking about a problem and not just waking up and saying, hey, this is how the, the new Apple logo is going to look like. And I think this applies to the 20 ideas as well. Yes. Um, and uh, that's, that's something that's extremely, almost impossible to pull out here is the moments, quote unquote, when your momentum in your career or your life change when you go from zero sales to 10,000, you can't put it in a paragraph. You can't have a movie. I mean, you, like the social network movie, you can watch it and be like, Oh man, like that's cool. That's sexy. Like that, that's, that's the way it should be. But no, man, there's a lot of days you're just staring at your computer doing not, and you're working on something and it's not going to do anything for you. The, the point is, it's just, and it's something that can't really be explained is you just got to really keep, executing effectively reading it or seeing it in a movie isn't going to i don't think change your life you just have to do it really i guess is what i'm trying to say do it enough times you you're gonna get you're gonna get it eventually you just have to put the time there's no secret there you just have to put the damn time there you can listen to all these podcast books and they're gonna help you there, there's no way they're not at the end of the day the most the, the way you're gonna learn the most is if you just do some some things you've never done or do just work Completely agree with you. Yeah. On that note, what is the book or movie documentary that you've suggested the most? What's the book that recently? It's easily Tools of Titans, which is this book by Tim uh, Ferriss, where he has a podcast and interviews top performers across all fields. And this book is just summaries of all of his podcasts with the key points taken out, and it's been extremely impactful, and it's extremely dense, and it's just filled with gold, in, in my sense. Mm -hmm. So that's a book that I've been talking about a lot recently, and had a, that I'd recommend people listening to read. Agreed. I've probably gifted that book the most, and uh, I'm on my second time reviewing it, reading it. 
it's quite dense. You're not going to be able to apply everything day one, but it's anywhere from finance to um, philosophy to um, lifestyle design. It's just, uh, you're, there's no way you're not going to learn anything from that. Um, or at least, and the crazy, the crazy thing about that book um, is you can get a list of hundreds of other books and documentaries that will keep you occupied in the things you find interesting. So that one is like kind of opening a little bit of Pandora's box of this realm of things, but I, I agree with you. So I, I think you're, after watching you work and working with you, you're, you're pretty damn up to date with the latest tech um, apps, softwares that make your life easier. Um, what's something like an internet resource, like an app or a program that you think is very underrated that people don't use enough? Um, like Evernote or Reminder or something. What's something that you you think more people should use or don't know about? One thing that I find very, very useful in my work is your calendar. Okay. And why I say that is I think it's very important to block out time when you should focus on a single task or focus on something specific. It could be preparing for a client meeting. It could be coding this thing. It could be writing up a marketing plan, but scheduling work throughout the day. So in the beginning of the day, sit down and look at what are the 5, 10, 20, shouldn't be 20, but 3 to 5 things that I need to complete by today. And I try to estimate how long they're going to take, and then plan, okay, so between 9 to 10.30, I'm going to be writing my marketing plan, or I'm going to... Uh, record this video for my Facebook ads, or I'm going to X. Very powerful, and when you're working on that thing, turn off all distractions and just work on that one thing. I agree, and I've also heard of people that, who do have pretty robust schedules, is they'll literally book out a time that says learning from 9 a.m. Yes, to, to absolutely. And it, whether that consists of you trying a new skill, playing an instrument, or watching YouTube videos, trying to learn something. It's, I, I, I personally have not tried that, um, but I really like the idea of putting that into a structure. Do you have a work calendar and a personal? Do you keep them separate? I keep them separate. So how do you, like, is it hard for you to juggle and, like, do you miss things sometimes? Like, what? I mean, I have, I, I, the reason why I'm saying that is I have a hard time just with my personal and keeping that going. What do you mean? So, like when I had a work calendar, um, they were just two different platforms, Outlook and Google Calendar, and I would hate to kind of compare and look at two different things. I'm just wondering how you do it. Do you have I have them in the same. I use Google Calendar. Oh, you have them in the same? Yeah. Okay. But you can block, you can you can uh, mark them differently. So you can have two accounts in your Google Calendar. Okay. And you can, I think, yeah, luckily now my company uses Google uh, and the Google. Uh, yeah, suite of tools. Yeah. Um, other tools, I don't use that many tools on, online, I think. Oh. <clears throat> it would be Evernote, Dropbox, Gmail. Okay. Uh, are my main working tools. Yeah, uh, and for the people who don't use Evernote, uh, just to add to that, it took me five times downloading it and deleting it before I <laughs> before I started using it because 
I don't know. It, it, I think that that is also kind of a skill, note-taking and keeping your notes up to date. But today, I really can't live without it. Like, that has been one of the most significant tools I've used in the last three years easily. Um, yeah. So if you've used it before uh, and it hasn't worked out for you, I would try to... S You're not the only one. Um, but I, can, I understand the frustrations, but I would just like to back that tool up again because it's powerful. I'll probably keep track of things that I would do with, with a to-do list. Your to-do list should be broken down into tasks. And every project you have, no matter how big or, or small, should be broken down into the, small, the smallest level of tasks. So instead of having finished this presentation, it should be find images for this presentation, um, research topics to talk about for this presentation, put together the presentation, just break it down into small pieces. Um, and that goes for all projects in terms of marketing or, or launching or developing or what you're working on. Okay. So if you start off with your email, every email will either be information or will be a task. If it's information, you read it and you archive it. If it's a task, you add it to your to-do list. And it could be a large project or it can be like a single task. Uh, and if it's a large project, make a new Trello board or make a new section in your to-do list about it and then break down the tasks. And then in your calendar, you will have the high-level stuff and it could be work on this presentation. And you know what tasks you have to do in the presentation. Or it can be do your to-do things that are the small things like replying to an email, booking a restaurant or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's, does that make sense yes. of how I juggle it? Yeah. Uh, just I want to, um, for the people who don't know about Trello and how powerful it is, it's a web tool. Think of it as um, task management and um, like a social Facebook kind of component combined. Um, but it's, in my opinion, one of the best free online tools to planning, getting things done, and organizing your company. Um, I've worked with four different companies on setting up their Trello, and some of them, everyone uses it differently, and it's fascinating to see, but you will see monumental differences in how your company's structured and moving versus uh, how it was before. Um, and Trello helps you put a process to things that don't normally have a process. So it's extremely underrated, super powerful. If you're working on a project with maybe just, you, you could use it on your own or you can use it with two to 200 people. It's powerful. Um, so I would really suggest that one. Um, okay, we've got a few more questions for you. All right. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever gotten and who'd you get it from? I think one advice... <clears throat> It was not given to me directly, but it was more observed. I was lucky that when I was in China, I was around some very influential people. And what I found was they all had the same aura and vibe. Very humble, very curious, and very relaxed and calm. <clears throat> For, I think someone wrote an article, it's called like the billionaire smile. Okay. If, you would tell Bill Gates, if you would tell Bill Gates he's ugly, he wouldn't care, doesn't matter. It doesn't have to show off to anyone. And the people that I met are all the same 
humble, friendly, curious, down-to-earth type people. Um, and that was just really inspiring to see. And I think no matter of where you are or what you're doing, just stay humble. I like mm. that. I want to add to that in a different way and something you and I have talked about. But if you're out and you're at a bar or doing something social and you're meeting someone new, it's very common, at least in the States, to be like, hey, what do you do? And that's fair. But I, I, I would just advise, like, kind of stay away from it a little bit because you're out. You're trying not to think about work. You don't want to talk about it. At least I don't anymore. Uh, I just focus on just being in the moment and having a good time. Don't pull out um, kind of those bad emotion stories and go down that route because it could really be a momentum killer. And that's something that, that these people I met, they never talk about. They never ask and they never tell. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I've recently learned this in the last few months. I was that guy. Like, what do you do? What are you doing next? What are you doing in the next five years? Ten, it's like, dude, shut up. No, <laughs> no one wants to know. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm here to just unwind and relax. Okay. Um, give me, yeah, it doesn't have to be three people, but a few people that you would want to work with. This is like, so people can look them up. And okay. I would like to work for Tim Ferriss. Ooh, okay. And I'm also scared to work with Tim Ferriss because he's so extremely structured and analytical. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to work for a guy called Roy Sutherland, which okay. is a uh, marketing and behavioral economics uh, businessman, which has very, very interesting views and thoughts on, on how marketing works. I learned a lot from him. Um, I'd love to work with um, people that are next level thinking uh, and in that sense I think like Eric Schmidt Google thinks you know in such a big way when he talks about where the world is going Elon Musk talks about the same thing Jeff Bezos talks about the same thing right. they're next level for me uh, and it would be interesting to, to learn from, from a person like that agreed um, we're coming to an end here. Uh, is there anything else that I should have asked or anything you want to share? Um, I think one thing that's very important, no matter what you do, that's why I said I'm scared to work with Tim Ferriss because we're so different and it's knowing yourself and it's knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses, knowing what type of person you are, knowing what makes you motivated, knowing what you don't like. And just being self-aware. Okay. Uh, so, I'm someone fairly outgoing, very extroverted. I don't like planning. I'm very spontaneous. Even though I plan my work days, I'm very flexible and pragmatic in my way of doing things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Which means, on the other side, I have a very hard time working with people that are extremely structured. Okay. So I've learned over the years to work with people that are, for example, engineers or developers that like to have things set. I understand. I'm someone who accepts things until they break, rather than someone who wants things to not break before they try it. And having that type of picture of who I am and knowing who you are and what makes you tick has helped me a lot in moving forward and choosing projects to work on and choosing people to work with how to interact with other people that are not like you. So what are you good at, what are you bad at? Know those skills and take them with you. I like that. Um, to add to those points, 
um, I would like to challenge the people listening. Um, you, this is a quote from Naval Ravikant, um, CEO of AngelList. If you can't work with someone for the rest of your life, don't work with them for one day. Like have a very, and I think that goes for relationships too. Like don't, don't take mediocre. Because when you, when you work with someone mediocre or you're with someone mediocre, you're going to become mediocre. Mm. And I like the way you're thinking about the next levels, the next levelers, or the people that don't think the way you do, but you would love to work with them to learn. Yeah, I think that's quite powerful. Oh, and another thing about where you are with your life and who you work with. If you're at a job or a school or where it does whatever social situation, uh, whether it's um, for leisure or professional, if you this is going to sound a little odd, but if there's not someone you want to be like or be more like, or if there's not a position in the in the company that you're working at that you want that you want to work to to promote yourself to, I think you're in the wrong place. Um, if you not if you're not enjoying your your career, think about that question. Is there someone's job within your company or social circle that you want? And if it's no, then you need to change it. And that's something that took me maybe seven, eight years to realize. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, wrapping this up, uh, where can people find you? Email me, anton.helquist. That's a-N-T-O-N dot H-E-L-L-K-V-I-S-T at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out. They can ask you anything, right? Anything. <laughs> uh, actually, a way that uh, Anton and I bonded was there was another author named Derek Sivers. Um, if you ever heard from entrepreneur, entrepreneur type, really cool character to hear how he lives and he had that same philosophy. Email him anything, he'll reply. He replies to everyone. Um, so when Anton and I met, um, one of the reasons why we bonded was because of something like that. Like, we found out we read the same books, and I was like, "Oh, I emailed Derek." He's like, "Oh, I also emailed Derek." And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so that was a cool experience. Um, all right, cool. Uh, that wraps us up. Amazing. Yeah. So, and really. To, to wrap up, a final comment for me is for people listening. Really think, why not? When you have something in front of you, why can't you do this? Try. See what happens. And be curious. So, and also another, <laughs> another thing to add. I had a few more questions to ask, but given the lesson that we learned in this podcast, we're going to end 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> and uh, look, we're going to just keep it the way it is. All right, guys. Until next time. Thank you.